Well, I want to welcome everybody to the fourth week of Advent, if you can believe it. Christmas Eve is in just a few days. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Brian Mowry, and I'm one of the lead pastors. And I just wanted to warmly greet each and every one of you who's watching this in our campuses in New Milford and Waterbury in the Valley at our Derby campus. Uh, for any of you who are watching us online, uh, we're thankful that you found us. And uh, I just wanted to say Merry Christmas to each and every one of you. You know, this is one of my favorite times of year because it provides the opportunity for us to really reflect on the gift that we have in Jesus Christ. This is really what Christmas is all about. It's the fact that God came down as one of us. He lived a life as a human being, God incarnate as one of us. His name is Jesus. Fulfilling that prophetic word that we would call him Emmanuel. God is with us. And as I've been reflecting on Jesus over these past few weeks, I've been reflecting on just the power of Jesus. I've been reflecting on the life of Jesus. As I've been thinking about that, I've thought about all the different people that Jesus met in his ministry and in his life here on earth. And everybody that Jesus came face to face with, he changed their life. I found that amazing. That every person that Jesus came face to face with, he changed their life. And I believe that Jesus is still changing lives today. But you think of the different people that Jesus encounters. When you look at the gospel accounts, you, you see this story of a man with leprosy who comes before Jesus. He actually kneels at Jesus' feet and begins to beg Jesus to heal him. And he says these words, Jesus, if you are willing, would you heal me? And Jesus, face to face with this man with leprosy, who was an outcast of society, he looks at him face to face and he says, I am willing. And he touches the man and he heals him. His life was changed forever. I think of a woman who was bleeding and she had spent all of her resources trying to find the answer, trying to, to get healed and, and nothing would do it. Nothing was healing her. Finally, she heard about this Jesus, and Jesus was going to be in town. And so she goes up, and, and she approaches Jesus, and she touches the hem of his garment. And as she does, power leaves him, and she's healed. Jesus turns around and says, who touched, who touched my garment? Her life was changed forever. I think of the story of Jesus, how he, he rolls into town, and there's this man there who, who's called Legion. He's called that because he's filled with a legion of demons. Nobody else could help him. I, I'm sure that he, he tried to escape it through all different ways, but, but he couldn't free himself. Nobody else could free him. He was hopeless. Yet Jesus arrives on the scene and he looks this man in the face and he calls the demons out of him into a herd of pigs. He changes the man's life forever. I think of 5,000 people on a hillside who were hungry, and Jesus feeds them face to face. He changes their life forever. I think of a man named Bartimaeus who's in the crowd, and he's calling out to Jesus. He's a blind man. He's calling out to Jesus. And Jesus' disciples, his followers even say, stop calling for him. But, but Jesus says, no, I want him to come to me. And Bartimaeus comes to Jesus, and Jesus face to face touches his eyes and heals him, changes him forever. This is what Jesus does. He changes lives. And friends, he still changes lives to this day. 
I believe he wants to meet us face to face to transform our lives. You know, we've been going through this series called The Great Gift Exchange. We've talked about joy. We've talked about peace. We've talked about the gift of love. And today we're going to talk about another exchange, another gift that the Lord wants to give to his children, and it's the gift of hope. I pray that the Lord might meet us face to face today. That you might encounter the living Lord Jesus and that you might receive this, this gift of hope. Can Jesus transform and, and change your life in, in the next 20 minutes? I believe he can. I believe he can come and, and meet us face to face and transform and change our lives. My simple prayer has been this as I've been preparing this message. This has been my simple prayer. Lord, would you renew our hope? I, I would pray that you'd be praying that prayer as, as you listen to this message and, and personalize it. Maybe we pray, Lord, would you renew my hope? Renew my hope, Lord. I want a, a fresh hope that I can stand on. And so, friends, we want to come. We want to talk about this gift of hope today. And as we do, let's talk about what hope is. And, and maybe the best way to do that is by first starting by talking about what hope is not. The first thing I want to say is this, is that hope is not optimism. See, optimism can be a really good thing. One of my daughters, she's a true optimist. No matter what's happening, just everything is positive. And this is a, a real treasure for her. It's a real good characteristic, but sometimes optimism isn't a good thing. See, oftentimes optimism tells you that things will be great even when things won't be great. Sometimes often uh, optimism is often not in touch with reality. It tells you something is true when it's actually not true. Optimism can tell you this, hey, it's not as bad as you think. But hope tells you, listen, actually it's really, really bad. Things are not good, but it's not going to be that way forever. Optimism denies reality and it can become false hope. Let me tell you a Christmas story. This is a story of a father who had twin boys. And the twin boys couldn't be any different from one another. The only thing that was alike was that they looked alike. But when one thought it was hot, the other one thought it was cold. When one thought the TV volume was too high, the other one wanted it lower. And one was a true pessimist, saw everything negative, And the other was a true optimist, saw the positive side of things. And so on one Christmas, the father decided that he was going to give the boys separate gifts. And so at Christmas time, the father filled the pessimist son's room full of toys. Every toy he could think of, he just jam-packed his room full of all these great toys. And then for his optimist son, he filled the room with manure. And so the father on Christmas Day got up and he walked by and he went by first the pessimist son's room. And he saw the boy in his room with all these gifts, and he was weeping. And so the father went and he said, why are you weeping? Look at all these great gifts that you have. What's the problem? And the son looked up and he said, well, I think all of my other friends are going to be jealous because I have all these gifts. And now I have to read all the instructions in order to figure out how to play with all the toys. And, and I have to figure out what kind of batteries go into these. And am I even going to have enough batteries uh, to power these toys? And and what happens if I break them? And he saw all the negative. And so the father left the room. <laughs> then he went by the optimist's 
room. His son, who was a true optimist, remember, he filled his room with manure. Yet he walked by and he saw his son dancing in the manure. And he went into his room. He said, son, why are you dancing in the room filled with manure? And finally, the son looked up at him and said, well, there's got to be a pony in here somewhere. (laughs) He believed. Well, if there's manure here, that must mean that you got me a pony. It must mean you got me a a horse. This is a good day. This is good news. But his optimism left him with false hope. See, friends, when I talk about hope today, I'm not talking about optimism that leads to false hope. I'm talking about a sure and confident hope that we can have as followers of Jesus Christ. When you read Scripture and you study Scripture, the Bible speaks about three kinds of hope. The first is what we call wishful hope. This is oftentimes how the word hope is used in our culture today. So you might say, man, I hope that you win American Idol. It's just wishful thinking. There's no reason for you to think that they're actually going to win American Idol. Man, I hope, son, I hope that you score 30 baskets today. And it's wishful thinking. Your son's never even scored one basket. Why would you think he can all of a sudden score 30 baskets? Or maybe you say, ah, I hope that I win the lottery. There's no grounds there. There's no reason for believing why you should win the lottery. It's wishful thinking. It's wishful hope. The second kind of hope the Bible speaks about is what's called expectant hope. Now, expectant hope is very different than wishful hope because expectant hope is grounded in reality. There's a basis for believing what you believe. And so let me explain it this way. Expectant hope is maybe a little bit like baking, where you take all of the ingredients, you you mix them up, you put them in a pan, you turn on the oven, you put the pan in the oven, and you put it in there for 20 minutes. And when you open the door after the 20 minutes, you have expectant hope that when you open up the door, you're going to find in the oven a beautiful and delicious cake. Why? Because you put all the ingredients, you mix them, you put it in the pan, you put the pan in the oven, and the oven was on for 20 minutes, so, so you have this expectant hope that the cake is going to be there and in good condition. Now, we all know that a lot can happen. You may have forgotten an important ingredient, or maybe you put it at the wrong temperature, and you open that door, and it's not what you imagined. But your hope is based, it's founded in reality. Or maybe another way to explain this is if you're planting seed. You have expectant hope. You plant the seed in the ground. And you have this expectant hope that in months' time, you're going to be able to go to that very spot and you're going to be able to pick fruit from the tree that grows from the seed you planted. Now, wishful hope would be this. Going out into the field, you never planted any seed and just hoping to find a tree with fruit on it. There's no grounds for it. It's just, it's wishful. Or going to the oven and opening the door, you never mixed any ingredients. You never put anything in a pan. You never put a pan in the oven. You're just opening the oven door, wishing, hoping that there's going to be a beautiful cake inside. That's wishful hope. But expectant hope is, it's based in reality. But at the same time, Things can go wrong. There are no guarantees with expectant hope. There's a real possibility that the seed will bear no fruit. There's a good chance that your cake will not turn out. This leads us to the third kind of hope, which is called certain hope. 
And this is what the Bible talks about when it says we're to be people of hope. In Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19, it says this. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. The writer of Hebrews is talking about certain hope. This hope, this certain hope, is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. I love that imagery that they're painting here. Our hope, it's strong. It's like an anchor for our souls. We know the purpose of an anchor for a ship is, is one, to keep the ship in, in one place, uh, grounded in one place. But another purpose for an anchor is oftentimes when a ship is going through a storm, the captain will lower the anchor, not all the way to the ground, but just a little bit down in order to steady the ship in a storm. And this is what our hope does when it's founded in the Lord. Our hope, it it keeps us in one place. It, It gives us a firm foundation. It helps us weather any storm. It's certain hope. There's no doubt with this kind of hope. You don't what if certain hope. Why don't you what if one certain hope? Because this kind of hope is based on the promises of God. It's based on the words of God, not our wishes. And when our hope is founded on the words of God, it's a guarantee because God has promised it and he's always been faithful to his promises. Our hope as Christ followers, it's it's not based on our wishes. It's based on the promises of God. Therefore, Hope becomes the proper response to the promises of God. Abraham serves as a great example in this. When you think about the story of Abraham, he was very old in age, yet the Lord comes to Abraham and says, listen, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going I'm to give you a child, a son. You're going to be the father of a great nation. And Abraham could have laughed in the face of the Lord and said, well, this can't happen. I'm, I'm way too old. But Abraham had certain faith. I love in, in Romans 4.18, it says this, Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. Now when you read that, what it's saying is against all hope, against all wishful hope. No, Abraham may have wished for a son. He may have looked at the situation and said, Man, this is wishful thinking. There's no way that this can happen. But in hope, in certain hope, Abraham believed. Why could Abraham have certain hope? Well, because God made a promise to him. And if God made the promise, then it's a guarantee. Our hope is well-founded. Certain hope is Peter walking on water. Certain hope is Peter getting out of the boat when Jesus invites him out and and him walking on the water. Certain hope is when, when Peter has his eyes fixed on Jesus and he's able to walk on the water. Now it turns to to wishful hope when all of a sudden he he looks to the sides and he he sees the waves crashing in. All of a sudden it turns to wishful hope. Man, I I wish I could stand on the water, but but there's no way I could possibly do that. Look at all these these waves. They're going to overcome me. He begins to sink. But when his eyes are locked in on Jesus, it's certain hope. Of course I can walk on water. Jesus invited me out here. Certain hope is Peter walking on the water. Certain hope is, is Andrew, one of the disciples who, who brings this boy to Jesus who has five loaves of bread and two fish. And certain hope is Andrew saying, Jesus, hey, take this. 
take this and, and, and feed the thousands of people. I know you can do it. Andrew's eyes fixed on Jesus as the foundation of his hope. Hope is Mary saying yes to the angel. Yes, how will this be? I love her question to the angel. How will this be? You've told me that I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna conceive of a child by the Holy Spirit, that this child is gonna have a kingdom that never ends. Okay, how will this be? Tell me, how is this going to happen? I, I trust that it's going to. I have certain hope because the Lord has ordained it. The Lord has, has called it upon my life. Her words are, are different than Zechariah's word when an angel visited him and said, hey, your, your, your wife's going to have a, a son. And he says, how can this be? This, this is wishful hope. How can this be? This is impossible. There's no way. But for Mary, she says, how will this be? Tell me more about this. This is what certain hope is. Certain hope is fixing our eyes on Jesus and knowing that we have a great future because of his promises in our lives. Yet for us, friends, we know that there are many reasons why we lose hope, why we enter into hopelessness. And maybe this is the spot, the position that you find yourself in in this Christmas season. You find yourself in a state of hopelessness. And there are a lot of reasons why we, we enter this. Why do we lose hope? Well, let me share a few reasons why we often lose hope. Well, friends, we lose hope when we feel alone, or we feel abandoned, or we feel left out. I found a study that was done in 2018 uh, by college students from UCLA. And the study found that 56% of people struggle with loneliness. And 22% of people ranked as highly lonely. Another study that I found, it was done by the global health company called Cigna. They found that 47% of people struggle with feeling left out. For much of our world, there, there's hopelessness because people feel alone, isolated, abandoned, or left out. We can easily fall into hopelessness when we feel alone. Why do we lose hope? Well, we lose hope when we feel like life is out of control. Maybe that's for you right now. Maybe you just feel, man, life is just, it's out of control. I can't keep up with it right now. And you've just, you've lost hope for your future. How can I possibly continue on with this? How can I keep going? We lose hope when we don't know our purpose. Without purpose, people lose hope. But when people know their purpose, studies show that a person who knows their purpose lives longer. There's something about knowing your purpose that, that helps you thrive in life. But when you lose your purpose for life, you lose hope. Why do we lose hope? Well, we lose hope when we don't have what we need. We look around and say, man, how, how am I going to provide for my family right now? How am I, I going to meet the needs that I, that I have? We lose hope when we are overcome by guilt, by shame, by regret. And maybe for you, you've lost hope because, man, that guilt just keeps coming in. It keeps attacking you. It's a constant reminder of the mistakes you've made in, in life. And, and you couldn't enter into a hope-filled life because, man, that guilt, it's just, it's holding on to you. It's holding you captive. We lose hope when we see no future. We lose hope when we have no reason 
for hope at all. You know, these feelings of hopelessness, of guilt or shame or feeling alone, these, these, these feelings of hopelessness can, can be like an alarm clock that's continually on snooze. Just imagine that for a moment. If, if everywhere you went, there was this alarm clock that you had to carry and it was continually on snooze. You couldn't turn it off. So every three minutes, the alarm went off. Bam, bam, bam. Every three minutes, this alarm sounded. That would be extremely distracting. Now, these, these feelings of, of hopelessness are like that, that alarm clock that's continually on snooze. Every three minutes, that, that guilt, that shame rears its head and, and, and causes you to be distracted from the things of the Lord. That, that, that idea that you're all alone, you've been abandoned. It, it just keeps coming up every three minutes. It keeps coming up and distracting you from the things of the Lord. That, that idea that you have no purpose, no worth, no value on this planet. Every three minutes, like an alarm clock on snooze, it just keeps coming up and, and, and keeping you unrestful. And these emotions and these feelings of hopelessness can keep you from the very thing that God wants to give you, and that's rest in Him. So the question becomes, how do we turn off the alarm? Instead of just hitting the snooze over and over again, how do we turn off the alarm? And I want to suggest that there's a way to turn off the alarm. And here it is. When we focus on what God has said, his promises, it turns off the alarm. See, I truly believe that for every reason for hopelessness, there's a, a promise of God that can lift us out of hopelessness and into hope. You see, you may have lost hope because you feel like you're alone. Well, the promise of God is this, actually. No, he's never going to leave you. He never forsakes you. You see, you might feel like, man, I've lost hope because life is just out of control. Well, the Lord calls you, Matthew 11, he says, come to me, all who are weary, and I will, I love that promise, I will give you rest. You might feel like you've lost hope because you don't know your purpose. Well, the promises of God and the words of God, they call us into our purpose, that we actually have a great mission on this earth. In Matthew 28, Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations. You have a great purpose, a great reason for living. You might feel like you've lost hope because you don't have what you need. So there's no future. But Jesus, he teaches in Luke chapter 12, he teaches that consider the ravens of this world. Consider these birds, how they go about and they fly about and I provide for their needs. They don't have any worry. I just provide for their needs. And how much more do I care for you than I care for the birds? He's going to be our provider. He's going to meet our needs. Maybe you find yourself hopeless because you're overcome by guilt, shame, regret, the mistakes of yesterday. Well, I love the promise in 1 John 1, 19. It says, if we are faithful to confess. Now that's our part. If we are faithful to confess, he, that's God, is faithful to forgive. You can turn that alarm clock off, friends. When we confess our sin, we don't need to hold on to them anymore. You can cast them upon the Lord. He takes them and he casts them as far as the east is from the west. He remembers them no more. He doesn't want you to be condemned by your mistakes, by your shame, by your guilt. He wants to lift that off of you. 
and welcome you into a new life. He says, in me, you are a new creation. Or maybe you've lost hope because you see no future. But we read in Jeremiah 29 that the Lord, he knows the plans he has for us. And his plans are to give us hope and a future. Friends, we need to remember who the source of hope is. In Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31, this is our passage for today. Isaiah 40, verse 31, it says this. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. I love that passage because it teaches us a few things. The first thing it teaches us is this. But for those who hope in the Lord. The first thing that it teaches us is that we can choose where to place our hope. For those who place their hope. That actually we have a choice in where we place our hope. The second thing it teaches us is this, is that when we place our hope on anything but the Lord, it leads to weariness. But the third thing it teaches us is this, is that when we place our hope in the Lord, it leads to renewed strength. I love that. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. You know, psychology teaches us that hope is found in this way. You have a goal. You have a pathway to that goal, and you have a motivation in order to achieve that goal. If you have those three things, then you will have hope in your life. So if you have a goal, something that you want to achieve, and you have a pathway, a way to achieve that goal, and you're motivated to do it, then you should have hope in your life. So let me give an example. Let's say that you have a goal to build a cabin. Okay, you have this goal, I want to build a cabin. You have a pathway there. You have all the materials and you have a friend named Bob who's built a cabin and he's willing to help you out. Okay, so now I have a pathway. I've got a goal, I want to build a cabin. I have the pathway, okay, it's in Bob and it's in all the materials that I have. He's built it, he's willing to help me. And you have a motivation. You want to spend your summers on the lake. That's your motivation. So now you should have hope in your life, right? It just makes sense. Now you should have hope. You have a goal, you have a pathway, and you have a motivation. Therefore, everything should just be fine. You know what? No wonder so many people are walking this earth without any hope. Here's, here's why. Here's where this, this way of thinking is so faulty. The problem with this way of thinking is this, is that the chance of finding hope completely, completely relies on you, your friend Bob, and your circumstances. And all of these things you don't have control over. No wonder so many people have no hope because people keep failing one another and our circumstances keep changing. I know that you're gonna have a hard time believing this, but there's a version of myself that's grumpy. Grumpy Brian. It can happen. And here's when I become grumpy. I become grumpy when I place all of my hope on myself or on somebody else or on my circumstances. And all of a sudden, one of those things fail me, and I'm not able to achieve or accomplish my goal. And this is why we often walk across this planet as miserable people, because we've placed the chance of hope on somebody else, on accomplishment, on a goal, or on circumstances. And friends, the Lord is calling us to something very different. You know, your hope might be in a financial plan, but then all of a sudden the market's crashed, and now your hope is gone. Or maybe your hope was in finding a spouse, and you haven't yet found that spouse, and so you've lost hope. 
Or maybe your hope is in your health and then all of a sudden you got sick. Your circumstances changed and so now you've lost hope. Or, or maybe you put your hope in your work and then you got let go and now you've lost hope. Or maybe you, you put your hope in this new friendship and then they let you down. The circumstances changed and so now you've lost hope. Friends, we've been turning to the wrong source for hope. The hope on offer from the Lord is not grounded on you. It's not grounded on others. It's not grounded on our circumstances. Hope is determined on something else, on someone else who's completely trustworthy. I love the passage in Job 8 that says this. It's so straightforward. Those who forget God have no hope. Man, that's, that's so straightforward, isn't it? Those who forget God have no hope. The source of hope is Jesus Christ alone. This is why Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. This isn't an arrogant statement. This is an invitation from Jesus. You want hope? Well, I'm the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Come to me. Place your trust in me alone. And then you're going to have peace and, and love and, and joy. And you're going to have this, this hope. You see, when we place our hope in Jesus, we place our hope in the one who will never let us down. The one who has fulfilled every promise to the point of his own death. The one who gives us the down payment of his presence. The one who knows who we really are as the children of God. The one who will give us good gifts. The one who can heal and restore our hurts on every level. This is where we find hope. In Jesus, the gift of Christmas. So how do we activate this hope? If Jesus is the source of hope, how do we activate this hope in our lives? In Romans chapter 15, it says this. It gives us the answer. It says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill, will fill you completely with joy and peace. Now, here's, here's the way you can activate hope in your life. Because you trust in him. The activator of hope is trust in Jesus. God is the source of hope, but to activate it in your life, you must turn to him and trust him. In this moment, friends, I want to ask you, what is before you right now? What can you trust Jesus with right now? What's the next thing that you can turn to the Lord right now face to face and say, Lord Jesus, I trust you with this. I trust you with my son. I trust you with my daughter. I, I trust you with my business. I, I trust you with my whole life. I, I trust you with your spirit in me. I, I trust your plans. I trust your motivations. What's the next thing right now, right before you, that you can trust the Lord in? I want to conclude just by, by sharing this. I, I was reflecting on the life of Peter as I was preparing this message, and I think about that, that moment where, where Peter comes and, and he's asked three separate occasions, do you know this Jesus? Uh, Jesus' Jesus trials, and, and three times he denies Jesus. Then Jesus goes to the cross and, and he dies. He's, he's buried. And then Peter goes back to what he was used to doing. He goes back to fishing. And he's, he's on the water and, and he's fishing. I can imagine in that moment, Peter fishing, just feeling the weight of the world on him. He just denied Jesus three times. I can imagine Peter, this is the apostle Peter, 
The one who later Jesus would say, he's the rock that I'm going to build the church on. But I can imagine this Peter sitting there fishing, just going, feeling such shame, such guilt for the mistakes he made. And as I was thinking about that, I wondered about Peter, what was the moment where his hope returned? What was the moment where his hope returned? And the Lord led me to to what I believe is the moment his hope returned. It's when he saw Jesus on the shore. When he again saw the face of Jesus. This is why he jumps out of the boat into the water, swims the shore, and Jesus reinstates him and calls him to great things. And it just caused me to wonder, friends, do you need to see Jesus? Do you need to see Jesus? I want to encourage you this Christmas, if you want to see Jesus, go to the places you know he can be found. Go to his word. Go to prayer. Go to those friends who who speak truth into your life. Walk through his creation. Turn on worship music, whatever it might be. Go to those places you know where you can find him and ask the Lord to, to show up, to come face to face with you. Say to the Lord, I want to see Jesus. Because as I started this message, friends, I know every person that Jesus saw face to face, he changed their life forever. A life of hope is found in following Jesus, going all in for him, seeing him face to face, trusting him with all that we are. I pray that this would be a Christmas season that you experience the greatest hope that you would experience a renewed hope in the Lord. He is the source of hope. Hey, have a very, very Merry Christmas. I pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.